Welcome into the Prep Extra Podcast. I'm Colin Stone alongside, as always, Chris Bastinet. First one of the year. It's been a while. We're Chris, back. But we're yeah. back. Hopefully better than ever. Well, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, football season is upon us. So obviously, we had a couple of week zero games. Uh, not too much action. Um, a couple of ranked teams in Class A, Bellevue West, kind of did what we expected them to do. Yeah. Um, but as we you know get into the season, been a hot week we don't you know what's it going to look like with kind of limited time on the field uh for some of these teams but in any case friday's right around the corner first games are right around the corner for most teams i guess what is the grand overview that you're kind of looking for uh going into this first week yeah i, I think the weather's the story right it has to be um everybody's practicing early in the morning uh maybe later at night uh, depending on where you are and you're practicing in preparation for your first game, you know, for a lot of these teams, most of these teams, we always know that week one, those week one games can, can be a little sloppy, you know, just first game jitters, mistakes, all that sort of stuff. How much is that affected by the practice schedule when guys are getting up at, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., practicing, having to recover uh, in the heat, go to school. Now you're going to go out in the afternoon, Friday, that forecast has been kind of creeping up and up. We thought, oh, maybe it'll get down to the 80s. Now it's like 94, 95. You know, Southeast is playing at 4 p.m. on a turf field. How it's how it we seems like we say this every year, no matter what the season is, how our team's going to handle the weather, whether it's November and it's cold or whether it's now and it's hot. So I'm, I, it may not be the prettiest football on Friday, but it's going to be, I think you'll see who was able to kind of handle the adversity the best because everybody, whether it was Lincoln, Omaha, doesn't matter. Everybody's practice schedules were altered. Everybody's game weeks were altered. So it's it's just it's just a different way to start the season than maybe what a lot of these teams are used to. Yeah, nothing like an early test that is not your opponent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why don't we just kind of go down uh, classes here, maybe just number ones, maybe talk about some themes uh, going into the season. But when you look at Class A, it's hard not to just say, here are the teams that are always good, and here yeah. are the teams that will – that will remain on top. You know, you look at West Side, you look at Bellevue West, Elkhorn South. That's kind of the three that you've got your eyes on. The big story will be can West Side come back and do it again? Yeah, it, it, the, and they have to start as the favorite, right? Four straight title game appearances, ton of starters back, 16 starters back, I think. Uh, the Rezac twins, Teddy and Anthony. Teddy, a, a power five recruit, Notre Dame. Anthony's going to go somewhere, play college ball, probably at quarterback. Uh, Caleb Benning is going to be a power five football player. They just have guys everywhere. Um, and so until somebody beats them, they're number one. Who can beat them? Well, probably Bellevue West. Like you said, the team that's always right there. Everybody knows about the the Husker trio, Daniel Kalen, the receivers, Davon Hall, Isaiah McMorris. They, they had a tough start last week against Creighton Prep, a two-score win. That's a good team. Can they can they close the gap on West? That's weird to say about a Bellevue West team, but you're right. talking about a, a program that had four losses last year, and they haven't done that in in a lot of years at Bellevue West. So can, can they close the gap? Can they get a little bit better on defense? Um, that was kind of the thing that I think held them back last year. Elkhorn South has kind of established that they're going to be there, you know, every year. They're going to win eight, nine, ten games probably. But can they get over that hump in the postseason? That's kind of been the thing the last few years. They've had great regular seasons. Haven't been able to to get over that hump and, and get get to the top of the mountain. Not to say that these seasons have been disappointments for right. Alcorn South, you know, losing the semifinals, things like that. But 
it's it's those three teams. And then after that, you know, four through 10, I think it's pretty wide open. Millard North's got a lot of talent back from a young team last year. Millard South, same thing, a lot of talent back. Got to replace a quarterback, but a lot of talent back. Omaha North, two Husker recruits. Gretna, you, you have to put in there just because of the year they had last year. But big shoes to fill with Zane Flores graduated and, and Mason Goldman, guys like that. Creighton Prep, you know, is going to be there. Grand Island semifinal team last year. Carney team, you know, is going to be there every year. So you, any of those teams, four through ten, can they jump up and kind of challenge those top three? I think that's kind of the early, the early outlook when you're looking at Class A right now. Yeah, and then outside of the top ten, you look at, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot. The power a lot of times goes to Omaha. What can we expect from some of these city teams in Class A? Is is there a team that can maybe jump into that top ten? And then again, try to challenge, you know, Westside, Bellevue, Belcorn South. I, I think there's two. I think you have to start with Lincoln East and Lincoln Southeast. When, when I do the rankings, especially at the beginning of the year, I look at who do you have back and where do you have those people back at? And you look at Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln East, both return their quarterbacks from last year. Owen Baxter for Southeast, Jeter Wordley for Lincoln East. Most important position on the field, doesn't matter if it's high school or NFL. You know, you, if you've got a quarterback back that has experience, you're going to be in a pretty decent spot. Owen Baxter was great last year in his first year as a starter. Started against Elkhorn South and threw for 270 yards, kind of out of nowhere, and, and had a great year on top of that. And then, you know, had had Southeast driving down the field against Gretna late in that game in the playoffs to have a chance to win. Peter Worley took over the starting role week week two last year. Had a really solid year. Kind of became a go-to guy for them. Uh, didn't throw for the crazy number of yards that Noah Walters did, but more of a threat with his legs. Um, obviously a high-level athlete, Michigan baseball recruit. Uh, because of Legion rules, he got to start practice football practice on time because he wasn't up at the regional right. with with Lincoln East baseball team or at the at the Legion World Series. So you start there with uh, with those two. Uh, Southeast has four of their starting five offensive linemen back. The other one's going to be number two on the depth chart here that comes out Friday for the Huskers <laughs> and Gunnar Gatula. But four of your five linemen back quarterback back you added a couple athletic transfers that you can put on the outside on offense I, I like what southeast has they could very easily i think jump into that top 10 same for east you, you've got a good core back malachi coleman is gone but but what what's also gone is kind of all the the attention that was around malachi mm-hmm. and not that that's bad for a program but it's it's less distractions it's less you know media showing up at practice every day things like that so I think if, as far as city teams, you start with Lincoln East, you start with Lincoln Southeast and see how they kind of stack up, both with tough tests Friday, Southeast at Elkhorn South, uh, Lincoln East making the trip out to Kearney. Yeah, looking at Class B, Bennington, uh, your number one team, Elkhorn North at two uh, with a win last week. Elkhorn North, uh, a team that just a few years ago, obviously as a new school, was kind of like, you know, when when can they make some noise? What do they have to do to challenge Bennington because Bennington has kind of dominated class B <laughs> for a while. Yeah, only 26 wins in a row for Bennington. Um so pretty tough to move them off the top spot until somebody beats them. Elkhorn North, I think everybody kind of saw this coming when when the school was built just cuz you know the you know the football talent in Elkhorn. We know how good Elkhorn High has been for decades and decades. Sam Thomas for Elkhorn North is a, is a power 5 recruit on the line. They have a lot of athletes back. We just talked about having their quarterback back. They have to replace their quarterback from last year. If if they can do that, I really like the pieces Elkhorn North has. I think Class B, probably pretty wide open. Uh, even at the top, Bennington's got to replace a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, now, 
you win 26 in a row, it's more than a few guys that are doing it for it. You have a good program. So, again, until somebody beats them, we'll see. They play Omaha Scott week one. Bennington does right out of the gate. So we'll get a pretty good idea where both those teams stack up. But, you know, for me, this class, is it's, it's Bennington and it's those teams chasing them. And it's kind of unpredictable. And we saw that last week. Norris came out of nowhere, beat Blair by three scores at Blair. Blair was a, you know, a preseason top five team you know, with a lot of experience back. So I think you're going to see a lot of volatility in this class this year. We'll see if that's true at the top. Uh, we'll see if Bennington keeps it going or not. I'm guessing they will. It, it, but, you know, we'll see. I think this is one of the more wide-open classes you're going to see this year. Yeah, and then looking at the the city schools in Class B with, with Pius and Northwest, obviously they played each other last week. Northwest gets off to a hot start. Pius answers immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it did seem like, Northwest in their, I mean, truly their first year of football. Let's, yeah. let's kind of call it what it is. At least put something out on the field that's like, okay, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Um, I was at the Northwest first game last year when they played Ralston, and I was at the first game this year, and it's night and day difference. They're more physically ready. They weren't physically ready last year, yeah. you know, against Ralston. They just weren't. They weren't big enough. They weren't strong enough, weren't fast enough, weren't old enough. We saw that, you know, the season gets shut down after three games, injuries, lack of depth. They have a much better handle on things this year. They're not worrying about their field being finished the day of the game yeah. like they were last year. I, and I wrote it last week. Pius won comfortably, but but Northwest acquitted itself very well, I thought. Does that mean they're going to win some games this year? We'll see. you got to stay healthy through a whole year. Right. We know Pius is going to be pretty solid. So we'll see. As far as Pius, I think that was a great opportunity for them. They got they got the mother of all road trips this week, going out to Scotts Bluff. Scotts Bluff made the trip out here last year, won twenty six to six. Now Pius, for the first time in school history, I've learned today, will play in a different time zone uh, wow. in football. So first time out to the Panhandle for the Bolts. How do they handle that long trip? Yeah. How do they handle a tough opponent? So Pius has some interesting pieces. Um, good good strength on the line. Good experience at quarterback. They had two running backs last week that had two good games. Can they kind of build on what they did last week? I think that was so important for them to get that week zero game and kind of work out some of the bugs as they get ready for this road trip. Yeah. Uh, looking at looking at C1, Boone Central, your number one team, and then Aurora closely followed. You kind of look at those top five teams. They've all been there. Yeah. They've all, they've all either, you know, pushed for a title. They've all won a title. What, what can you make of C1 this year? Again, another wide open class. I think this was maybe the toughest class to decide who to put number one um, because you know Aurora is going to be great. You know Pierce is going to be good, but Pierce also only has three starters coming back and they're replacing a, a legendary head coach, uh, Mark Bramer. What does that look like? Are they going to win six or seven? Yeah, probably because they do every year. Is, is Aurora going to win six, seven, eight? Yeah, probably because they do it every year. Boone Central, you look at their team last year, their only losses were to Aurora and Pierce, and, and they bring back a lot of firepower from that team. So uh, Ashton Greenwood, like you said, has been there year after year. You know what they have. Ron Colley's got maybe the best quarterback in the in the class. So y- you look at those five teams, I, I think I think the champion comes from that, from that group. And now it's obviously, it's week one. We don't know how it's going to play right. out. But those those five teams have kind of proven in the past that they're kind of the teams to beat in this class. You can throw them a cook in there for their success in class B. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's about how does Boone central kind of handle, you know, maybe being a favorite, how does Aurora handle maybe not being a prohibitive favorite right. a- after being a prohibitive favorite in that class last year, along with Pierce. So 
yeah, a lot to be sorted out there. And, and again, maybe the toughest class to kind of peg out of all these. Yeah, you look at Lincoln Christian, how how can they build off of last season and, and maybe try to sneak their way into that top five? Yeah, they, they, they feel like they're a program now that they can kind of reload a little bit. Um, a, a perennial playoff team, playoff wins each of the last two seasons. They, they upset Ron Colley last year, played Aurora relatively tough, as tough as anybody else right. played them, you know. Uh, throughout the year, they have a culture established. They have a system established with the wing bone offense, the flex bone offense. They've got to replace a couple pieces again. Quarterback, you've got to have a good. You have to have a great decision maker in that offense to make it work. But they have some athletes they really like. Um, again, it's kind of like last year. They have that huge game week one, the sword game, spirit sword game against Lincoln Lutheran, and and Lincoln Lutheran won that game last year and kind of springboarded them to a great year. Mm-hmm. Can, can Christian kind of take that back this year? And is that springboard then? That's such an important game for both of those schools. It can really set up the winner and the loser, really, for for how the rest of their season might go. So I, I think you look at week one, that's where I'll be Friday night over at Aldrich Field for the sword game. If Christian can win that and, and play clean football, you know, turnover free or low turnover football, yeah. I think that really sets them up well to make a run. Yeah, I think we said it last year. Rivalry games are either best at the beginning of the year or the end of the year yeah. because they, they either set a tone or, you know, they, they kind of cap off what whatever season you may have. Yep. Uh, looking at C2, Norfolk Catholic, your number one team, I'm also intrigued to see, you know, you have Malcolm down there at number nine, how they bounce back because it seemed like for a good long while that they were just going to take their success and run with Hayden Frank and just, you know, kind of blow up C2 a little bit. Uh, what can they do, you know, maybe to to reload, and and what does Norfolk Catholic have to, you know, kind of stay on the path that they're on? Yeah, it's it's a deal for Malcolm. Just a you're moving on from our athlete of the year, the Journal Stars athlete of the year, and Hayden Frank, just a an an outstanding football player. He's going to play basketball collegiately, a great baseball. He's just one of those special guys that that you don't get very often in a school the size of Malcolm, you know, and so. They're still going to be pretty good, I think. They they obviously have to replace Hayden Frank, and you don't just do that with one guy. Right. So how do they kind of figure out that quarterback situation? How do they kind of change things up to to stay competitive against a tough schedule? You know, they're going to play UTAN. They're going to play Oakland Craig. They're going to play some of these really, really good teams early in the year. So we're going to get a pretty good idea right out of the gate, you know, where Malcolm stands as far as being a contender in this class. Maybe this is, for me, maybe the most – competitive class top to bottom in the state this year norfolk catholic you know again is going to be there under jeff beller 13 and 0 last year just dominant the whole season some good pieces back but ord might have their best team in this run they've been on and that's included a title and and a second place finish and a semifinal finish this might be the deepest most talented team ord has in this run oakland craig's got a ton of guys back bishop newman loves what they have um, some high-level athletes there. Battle Creek could, is as good as any of those teams, and I've got them ranked number five, you know, but they're right there in that group too. So it's it's a fascinating class for me because I think anybody one through ten, and, and even some of those guys, that, some of those teams that aren't in the top ten are, are going to be able to make deep playoff runs. It's who's who can kind of sort things out the quickest, who can kind of, you know, build momentum early. That's why you put Norfolk Catholic on top. Because it's been the same there for 38 some odd years under Jeff Beller. <laughs> you, they know what it's going to look like. They know what the expectations are. So, and, and again, it's a it's a deal where it's a it's a competitive class. But until somebody gets them, you have to start with Norfolk Catholic on top. Yeah, and it's also one of those that the, these bottom half of the classes. A lot of these teams 
we think come out of nowhere, but yeah. it, a lot of it's because we don't see that half of the state yeah. 90% of the time, yeah. right? Uh, looking at D1 and D2, you've got uh, North Flat St. Pat's and D1, Howells Dodge and D2. Again, two teams that have been there will continue to be there. Yeah. It's just kind of a matter of who can catch up to them. Yeah. Yeah. And especially North Platte St. Pat's um, returned so many starters from last year. And they did the same thing. They, they came from C2 to D1 last year and had like 17 returning starters <laughs> in, in a man, <laughs> which if you're doing the math, that's only 16 returning starters you're supposed to have. Right. But an all-state running back back, he got injured late in the year. That kind of slowed them caught up to him in the semifinals you know and, and again you don't want to say losing in the semifinals is a disappointment probably was for st pat's a little bit um so they have to start off on top cross County's right behind them you know with an illinois recruit and a husker walk-on recruit playing eight-man football don't see that a whole lot at that level right d2 i think there's some question marks there you could have gone with any number you know really any of those top three four five teams could have been number one and, and when there's uncertainty like that i think again it's it's the Norfolk Catholic equation. It's it's this is the Howells Dodge equation. You know right. what they have. They're a known commodity. A lot to replace. You know they're going to be there. I think Howells Dodge maybe gets challenged a little more this year than maybe they do in past years. And I, I know they lost the title game last year, but but unbeaten before that. So just it's two classes where you you kind of have traditional powers on top. And again, it's those teams behind them. How how far can they push? How close to, can they get to the to those programs at the top? Yeah, and then wrapping this thing up. Probably the most, uh, my favorite, maybe the most electric version of football in the state, <laughs> six-man football. And right there on top is, you know, our, our champion from the capital city, Parkview Christian. Incredible season last year. You know, they kind of ran through the playoffs. Of course, there's there's playoff football. There's always going to be, you know, some bumps in the road somewhere. But, you know, they bounce back from an early loss, run the table, uh, beat the team that beat them. Yep. Can Parkview Christian, essentially the question is, can they do it again? Yeah, I think they can. Um, it's it's kind of like a lot of these teams we've talked about. Got to replace a quarterback. You got to replace the six-man player of the year, um, Chandler Page at running back. You know, but they have five starters back on defense. You don't normally think of defense in six-man. But Parkview had a pretty good defense last year, and they yeah. have five starters back from that defense. So that's a pretty good place to start as, as the offense kind of finds its way a little bit, and, and you you know that guys move around to different positions at that level just because that's how it works. You you put your best guys where they're needed, um, and especially at the six-man game where, where linemen are eligible, things like that. So, yeah, can they do it again? Absolutely. Um, they, they've got to break some guys in. Now, you've, you've had that taste of success last year. It's been a, a pretty steady build, you know, two wins to, to three to five to 11 in a state title. Now the, the, the challenge is staying there. And does that mean winning a state title? Well, yeah, of course you'd love to do that. But but can you play now with a target on your back a little bit and, and handle that that increased attention, that increased spotlight from other teams? I, I think, again, we, we talked about this in the past, the power in six men off and out west. And you look at the teams right behind Parkview, it's Potter Dix, it's Cody Kilgore, way out west. Pawnee City, not as far west, pretty close to here. Right. But, uh, you know, a team that, that played – Parkview in the final last year returns a lot of pieces from that team. So Red Cloud's got a kid in uh, in Caden Fry that's going to be potentially an FCS recruit, but you don't see that a whole lot at the six no, man level. Really. So so an, a difference maker, kind of like um, kind of like Ainsworth has uh, in, in D two. So yeah, Parkview Christian can absolutely do it again. Will it be as easy as last year? Probably not. 
um, it, staying on top is is a lot tougher than getting to the top, I think, in a lot of cases. So we'll see how the Patriots handle success. They've done it in basketball pretty well. Mm-hmm. Can they translate that out of the football field? Yeah, it's basically playing up to expectation now. Before your expectation was, let's get to the playoffs. Then it was, let's win in the playoffs. Yep. And now it's, we got to not only win in the playoffs, but we have to make it to the title game. Yep. So can they live up to the expectation a, a second time around? I think they can, but you know it'll be interesting to see how how that develops. So we'll be back next week. Yeah, we'll review the first week. Uh, you know, again, the first week we don't learn a lot, but I'm sure we'll come away with some uh, <laughs> we'll big takeaway, yeah. right? But until next week, for Chris Bassett, I'm Colton Stone. It's been the Prep Extra Podcast. We will talk to you guys later.